Hello, and welcome to another episode of The How, a W12 Plus podcast channeling water solutions. The How focuses on water solutions and the people behind them from around the world. Each episode, we uncover the professional and personal stories of people and organizations rethinking relationships to water. From W12 Plus, I'm your host, Judy Jane. In this episode, I talk to Salva Dute, the founder and chief strategy director of the international NGO Water for South Sudan. Salva's organization delivers sustainable quality of life services to and with the people of South Sudan, providing access to clean, safe water and improving hygiene and sanitation in areas of great need. Salva was born in a rural village to the Dinka tribe. At 11 years old, the Sudanese civil war reached his village and separated Salva from his family. He joined thousands of boys, famously known as the Lost Boys, on their journey by foot to seek safety in refugee camps in Ethiopia and Kenya. After living in refugee camps for 10 years, Salva was resettled to the United States. Several years later, he learned that his father was still alive in southern Sudan, but was suffering with disease caused by waterborne parasites. His father's illness inspired Salva to help both his father and his country by bringing clean water to those in need. This was the beginning of Water for South Sudan. In this episode, Salva shares how Water for South Sudan approaches sustainability, capacity and skills building, and what people misunderstand about the country. Without further ado, here's Salva. Before we bring in Salva, just one note that we unfortunately had technical and logistical challenges with recording for this episode. The audio quality may be hard to hear. If so, please also see our Medium blog for an excerpt of this episode at medium.com slash at W12programs. W12programs. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast, Salva. Oh, thank you, Judy. I have a check-in question for us today to get us started. What is something you are excited about and looking forward to later this year? I'm very excited. We are working so hard here to establish the institute, the Water Institute, to be able to give capacity building to our South Sudanese people here because, you know, this is a baby country and many people have uh, no much education and uh, no capacity building. And to have this institute, I think, will help our people understand the water is precious for us and take care of good care of it. That this is wonderful. I have some questions for you about the Institute later, um, so I was hoping you would talk about that. <laughs> we'll definitely talk more about the Water Institute later um, later that, in the interview. Um, for me, um, uh, I, uh, I'll also answer this question. Um, there's a couple of different things I'm excited about later this year. I'm excited to finish our first season of The How. Um, we have a couple more episodes for our season one. and. Um, I'm also excited to uh, do a trip later this year with my partner. We're going to go hiking and visit a different part of the United States. Uh, we're going to visit the Grand Canyon. Excellent. That's exciting news. So yeah, we'll get started. Uh, Salva, I know Water for South Sudan focus, focuses very much on following the lead of community members. Village elders are part of, of the decision-making process for where to drill wells and Water for South Sudan trains people in the community to do maintenance and repairs, um, as well as hygiene education. Can you tell us a bit more about your community approach and localization with Water for South Sudan? 
Sure, our community approach is very simple, but uh, it worked really well because we are indigenous here and we understand them, we understand their environment, we understand the language they speak, and uh, it helps a lot. And what the way we do it is uh, we have 10 states here in, uh, in South Sudan. And these 10 states, they have different tribes in it. We have 64, uh, 64 tribes all spread all over uh, on these 10 states. And what we do, uh, when we choose the state, for example, then we will go to, to the capital and talk with the governor, to ministers, and say, hey, this is uh, what we have and uh, for you guys. And then again, they would bring in the commissioners. They have their own counties. And then we talk with the commissioners, and then commissioners take us to the real county where the villages are. And when we get there, we they call the, they have uh, uh, some counties too with administrators, plus the chief of the villages. And then they call them and we tell them, hey, this is what we have, guys. We have a uh, few wells, cannot, uh, cannot take care of your entire villages. And then they will, and you guys need to tell us where can we drill and who get what, and who get the well and who have to wait. And it's always very, very, very transparent uh, decision. Um, uh, we let them decide by themselves, and when they step out from that, and then later they call us and say, hey guys, Mr. X, and this particular the well, and they nab it, and then we say, okay, that's great. And then we go to actual village and do a full assessment there, to, because most of the time they wanted to be in the center of the village, and uh, but that sort of the village might not have the aquifer, the water table there, and then we have to do a geophysics survey to make sure that yes, well, we get the right uh, water table, and then we will say yes, this is where the water is, and then they always agreed, uh, and uh, we mobilized them. But most of the villages don't have road access to go to, and we have to make sure that they clear the road where we can have a big trucks to come in and then we tell them about their duties too what they have to do what we expect from them like they to dig their the ditch for the lubricant water that we use for drilling and then we let them select the people that would be trained to take care of their wells and hygiene and all this maintenance and all this kind of thing and then we go back and then we pull them our team our drilling team to start drilling that and then when we do that drilling uh, after it finished, we start training them and mm -hmm. leave some spare part to them because, of course, they need to understand and they need to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, after we train them, we leave them alone and they take care of things. And the good news, wherever village come in to get the water, they don't discriminate people and they do it. And then they get in and set up their system to be able to contribute because in this world, you need to have sustainability system going on. If not, sometimes all these three things cannot go anywhere. And we set up the good system there to really make sure they raise their money to be able to pay the, someone that someone that will maintain the world if something breaks and, and buy spare part after we run out of those spare parts and we leave with them. And this is how we do it. And then we leave it to them and say, hey, you guys take care of yourself. You are independent. 
and we are going to help other villages that we don't have anything. At least the system that we set up. Thank you. Thank you, Salva.、Um, I wonder what happens if there are disagreements, like within a community, between community members, or between Water for South Sudan staff and community members, or with government officials. What happens if there are disagreements? Uh, there's a、uh, they we have a system that we set it up because I didn't get in detail with you about the system. We have、uh, something that we said、uh, saving water.、Uh, it's a kind of microfinance there,、uh, and、uh, this set up that we do. There's a a board members in in that village. If there's any dispute of this water. Uh, in the, on the water, they have to solve it. And then there's stages of、uh, even the finance, the team of finance who keep the finance system, and who are what making decision and what all those kind of things. And they have people that have been put at that well, are in charge to make sure the well is being clean. If it breaks, they are the one to report it to the board. And、uh, at this board that we set up, these are the board that、uh, take care of what is going on in the village. However, with the government, government really don't interfere because government is far away and,、uh, and village is far away, and、uh, most of the time, government support them, and、uh, we never see a dispute really in the on the well. We never encounter that completely.、Mm-hmm. Thank you. You mentioned、uh, sustainability with. These water projects—that's been a really important part of long-term well-being. So, ideas like income generation, local leadership.、Uh, how else does Water for South Sudan incorporate sustainability into projects? And how does Water for South? How do you think about that?、Uh, the, the way we get involved in that sustainability because we have to keep to train them.、Uh, you don't just say that. Okay, it's a.、Uh, Your responsibility, kind of it. We have to train the board of how to handle this. If someone,、uh, for example, because they accumulate some money there, because each、uh, household they contribute, and those who live stocks, they come, they contribute to as well, and then the money、uh, generated that、uh, way, and then the money that generated to they loaded out to as well. To the people that are doing the business in the village, and you see the money is uh is uh making a profit, and then later on, with this uh board uh that we train, they are the one fully in charge, and we give them we give them the papers, and、uh, we sign the committees, and、uh, we form the committees. What was asked to form the committees, and.、Uh, And we give them little money to start on, and、uh, and train the people that will give the loan out. If someone doesn't pay whatever loan that they get with the interest that they have, and what、uh, what happened was how they punish that person and what they do with that. And of course, these people you have to represent something first to make sure that if you take a loan and you don't return it, that means your good will be taken away in your household. These are. The system that they set up, and we help them really set up the system. But we let them make a decision that is good for them. It's not something favoring water for South Sudan. And then we do a monitoring evaluation. We come up to a month to see how they're progressing, and、uh, 
and it's beautiful. We have one of the village that is really thriving really well, and uh, and they are doing a great job. And we never have any really big challenges. And this, uh, we we set up the system to help them support the system to have a good law to follow and just do thing randomly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I love the way you describe this, Salva. It's I find it so interesting that, you know, in some ways people think that this work is complicated and difficult, um, but it sounds quite, um, I don't want to say easy, but it sounds quite, um, you know, uh, intuitive for you, and it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Sure. It does, because uh, if you're talking about those in micro-saving or something like that, in U.S. would be like a big thing, like the banking uh, bureaucracy there, but it's not. It's really, really simple. If you come and look at it, the way they do it, it's really simple, but it does work for them according to their capacities because they don't have banking system there, and they don't have all this uh, thing going on there. And when you set it up, they got it because if you need to sustain the thing that you have because if you lose it again, then you go back to square zero. And when you take them back, and now it's really working for them, my God, it just opened their eyes. And it's not just water alone now again anymore, it's other things get involved. Like those people who want to thrive with their business, now they have a place to go and get their business going. And uh, if the well breaks down, now they have a spare part to buy, and there's someone that will maintain the well, who will pay it? Someone that sit in there all the time or sit all day, uh, sleep there at night. Now they have money to be paid, and that system just builds itself up. And then you help them really understand their, how to sustain themselves. Then living like nomadic or just hurting animals somewhere, they're moving from place to place. It worked well. Thank you. Sorry, take, I took a long time. No, it was it was all good, good response, um, and I'm really thankful to hear more about uh, the work that you do. I know that we, you and I had a shorter conversation about reforestation, and so it's nice to be able to talk a bit longer uh, about, uh, you know, the water work for Water for South Sudan. I understand Water for South Sudan employs about 66 people in the country, all South Sudanese. When the international community talks about localization, um, the topic of in-country capacity and skills comes up as a challenge, and you yourself mentioned that earlier. Um, I wonder what else has been your experience with that in South Sudan in terms of uh, capacities and skill building? In terms of capacity and uh, the skill building is a big challenge here uh, because the country has been in the war for two decades. And when they were, they got independent and now again they have their own civil war which is uh, peaceful now and they have the peace again. And that one affects the capacity building to in the country. And we have the students that are in university now, going to uh, in high school, elementary, and all those kind of things. And uh, these are the people that have capacity, but still they need a practical work to be trained. And, uh, and that's why we really, like I mentioned the institute before, because institute it helped them in so many ways. They, and we will pick the people that know how to write and read, and then uh, uh, help them with practical and be able to send them in those uh, ten states. And this uh, and it's a challenge to really build capacity there with the people that has majority illiterate, 
I say Charlie uh, to uh, to deal with it. Like now, uh, you mentioned that we have successful staff. This year we scale up. We have ninety staff. Wow. Who uh, yes, who are working with us. Uh, which we employ already, and because especially with the season coming in, and all this help us uh, really build our capacity. And uh, partnership too with other people help us to uh, grow that uh, much. And this is the the uh, capacity building going on in South Sudan. But capacity building is a very challenging that needs a lot of attention to be built. As you say, it's not just about training people about water quality or water testing, which just doing that is already a lot of work. Because South Sudan is such a young country, it sounds like there's a lot of other um, literacy or other skills that need to be uh, created first. In a different report that I saw um, for a similar water training program, the survey that they did, a lot of participants, their number one priority was learning more about business skills and management skills. So not necessarily the technical water skills yet, but how to run a program. What What do you think about that? All right, we have two levels. Like when we are down there drilling in those villages that are illiterate completely, uh, doesn't know how to read and write. We teach them practical. This is how you open up the well, this A, B, C, D, all those kind of things to, to understand. But with Institute that we are trying to we are building now is uh, is to help these people get practical and uh, and fury as well and be able to go and help train the others uh, while in the estate and this is how uh, uh, we are going to do it. and this is how we do it actually part of it is not done yet with that institute but uh, the other part is what we we are doing I know the Water Institute is something that Water for South Sudan is working in partnership with W12 Plus. Can where did that idea come from? Uh, the idea came from here in South Sudan is because of the work that we have been doing. We find out that yes, they need scale. We need to build their capacity to be able to take care of themselves. You know that. Mm-hmm. With this global warming or climate change affecting water. Of course, you need to really pay attention to this area of water to build the capacity for people to understand that they will not pollute their water and they will take care of their source of water. And uh, and it came out from where we, we've we been in the ground, in the field, working on this uh, field water. That's where the idea came from that, yes, definitely we need to build capacity for these people to take care of their water sources. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Water Institute? I understand right now it's looking like a four-week program. Uh, what are some other ideas and plans and hopes for the for the program? Uh, we this day start. We want to start as a pilot first to see how it goes. To make sure because sometimes you need to test your water when you do it. This is where you will see the other thing that you you weren't expecting. And with this four-week. Uh, uh, program first. That's where we need to start. But later on, we have a big vision on that. It's not just going to be a little training. We like to, in the future, we like to build it to 
to go a little bit to one year training and all those kind of things, a nine month, one year training. But this is the beginning. But along the way, I think other thing would be building in along the way. Can you tell us about the partnership with W12 Plus? Why did that make sense to you uh, from the beginning? Uh, partnership with W12, it made a great sense because you know in this world, no one can do it alone. And we cannot replicate the thing or that while we have resource sitting somewhere there and it's very helpful for us because uh, W12 already invest in this water system already have a great knowledge and for us to partner with them it will help us a lot more because they have a skill there that we can utilize instead of starting from scratch we can do that we should take advantage of that partnership to be able to help us. And this partnership so far is very fruitful. All the meetings that we've been doing and all this kind of thing, it helped us a lot. And that's why we are really having this speed now is because of W12. But as, uh, with, uh, by us alone, we wouldn't be having those steps we are taking right now. And we really appreciate it so much. And we are blessed to really meet W12 and accept our partnership to work together and have a hub here too as well and uh, it is Africa. Well I know W12 Plus wouldn't be doing any of this without Water for South Sudan for sure. That is such an integral part of our approach with localization. Um, I'm wondering did you meet Ellie first or Renee first? How did the people meet first? The first person that I met there is uh, Renee and I was invited to go to Cape Town in South Africa and this is where I met with the first time with the WTL people. And uh, I haven't met physically yet with Ali, but hopefully someday soon. And then after what I finished there immediately, I was introduced to Ali and then we start talking and then we won uh, setting up all this workshop in Juba and uh, meeting with government online, everything was special. And, uh, any step that we always take is always positive. We never have a really setback until we met and then we start this partnership, which is really a blessing. And uh, it's uh, because of W12 having capacity already to be able to navigate us through this. It's, it's a great thing. And this is how we met. When you hear people talk about South Sudan or read about South Sudan in the news, what do you think people misunderstand about the country? Uh, people must understand that they think that it's just a trouble part of the country that would never really take it off. But I don't believe in that because if you look at this world, we have a lot of wars being fought in Europe and other countries before they really become stable. And, uh, and that's what they think. And, but it's not true. Of course, you know, when the babies start walking or something like that. You don't walk the street. There are a lot of stumble things that you have to go through it. And uh, if you look at the African general, African general is still struggling with so many things. But they will take it off. But South Sudan is way, 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 way far than any other countries here in, Af uh, in Africa. Because we're, what, six years old now? And, uh, and we're still struggling, but we have a faith that no matter what, we will, we will thrive one day. And that's what we do. And we are just planting the seeds now, like providing the clean water, building this capacity to these people. Later on, they will understand, oh, 
we don't need this war, we don't need this fight, we don't need, this, we don't need the tribal thing. This is the better way to take care of themselves, of ourselves. We, we are, we are, we are temporary in this world. We are not going to be here forever. Why we make it difficult to ourselves? Let's make it beautiful and enjoy the life that we we have. Take care of our resources that we are enjoying, and then leave it in a good hand to other generation to come. We will get there, and the world later on will understand that yes, South Sudan now they were here before, and this the other state they are in, and now they can take care of themselves. And that's what we do. Uh, we are building the best uh, we could to to plant the seeds. Hopefully, they will change sooner instead of too too late. So that was very well well said, Salva. And I think it's exciting for I'm sure it's exciting for uh, you and both W12 Plus to help be at the start um, and to really see the uh, potential and to see and to understand that you know uh, you don't start walking in a straight line, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And also too, yes, if you look at uh, the word Judy, the world. It's beautiful because of us. The world is terrible because of us. And there are so many people that are seeing positive from the world that if we work together and if all this terrible thing that we run to it, to our own class thing that we are this tribe, we are this country, we are this human, we are this this thing later on we will realize that these are nothing. And all of us need each each other, no matter what. Like now, the water for South Sudan is stable here in, uh, in this country is because of other countries who supported us to be able to make that. That means it's a good set example that, yes, we are one world. We need to take care of ourselves. We don't need to hurt each other. We don't need to do terrible things to each other. Let's take care of ourselves. And we are all brothers and sisters, no matter what gender and what color and what, uh, how tall, how thin, how you are all this kind of, we still people need to take our life. That's all. And I wish the whole world looked into that and just like uh, taking things and then we just do it harming and all this. Anyway, I don't want to get that. Thank you. No, I, I think that's very true. I think um, like success happens in clusters, it happens in groups, right? That a rising yeah. tide lifts all boats. Um, is it. Do, is it frustrating when you're working in the country and um, you know it, people are challenging you with a different point of view? It's not frustrating completely because I choose that path. And in this world, no matter what you do to be successful, you have to go through challenges before you do it. But if you go in a just uh, easy way, that means that means something is all right. Like example. The environment that we work in it is it has no infrastructure. For example, we have to drive in a place that has no road completely, miles and miles, uh, hundreds of miles, with no gas station, with no clinic, with no restaurant to stop and eat. And uh, sometimes you, when you get a puncture, you break down. You have to sit there in the wilderness without food support and do things. This is. All these beautiful things happening in this world, people went through that before, but they did not regret it. Mm. And that's what they get a word this on. And for someone like me or other people, just to keep on saying that, okay, I don't want to do this, 
let me really, you are letting them down and you are pushing other years to sit in this label that they will not thrive anywhere. And uh, whatever I do, I don't regret anything. And I went through so many challenges. I've been here for many, many years. And I I want to do that. That's a path I chose. I would have just sit in the U.S. there and say, okay, I'm blessed. I've been in the terrible life in that country before. If I am blessed to be in the U.S., then forget about them. No, I didn't choose that. I can stay comfortable in there in the U.S. But I choose this rough life for the people to change and plan a little thing. I'm not going to change the world, but they right away. But they little see that we plan and they nurture it. You never know. It might change something someday, and they will take up themselves. And I will not be here forever. And these people, I need to give something to them and support them for them to take up themselves. Thank you. Yeah, I did want to ask. I know you had you had the chance to move to the U.S. and live in the U.S. and came back when you heard about your father's uh, uh, illness. I'm wondering, what was it like for you to come back to South Sudan that first time? Yeah, it was uh, very challenging at the first because I left when I was young. I was years old, being refugee camp, went to the U.S. When I came back, I was already an adult, grow up, but I missed certain culture there. And I had to make it up while I was here. And uh, it was not easy because the environment that I am in is, was very harsh. It's not a place that when I needed lunch, I just go for lunch, like time. When I need a dinner, I go there. When I need to go to the bathroom, I have there's a bathroom handy. Was not like that. Uh, if I'm sick, uh, this I will go. If I need to call, I will call handy. Was a very challenging, but now I adapt to it and I get used to it and become normal. But the first was very challenging, and the country was in a terrible shape at that time. You know, now it's improving. Like now we have internet that I'm using. We have, but long ago you couldn't do that. I could talk with you, yes. Does the feeling in South Sudan when you're working in the country, is it is it positive or is there still some, are, are people worried about conflict and worried about uh, about war? It's positive, it's, uh, excuse me, it's positive because we've been in so many wars. We have a war fought between North and South and we have our civil war too in South Sudan. And then we have tribal thing going on. And now everything's are subsidizing now because they are seeing the reality. Now we have a country. Why are we fighting each other? Mm. And uh, and even I fight you, I'm not gaining anything completely. And uh, it's just a matter of people now are realizing that, okay, this is a time now for us to sit down and have a real democracy. People go for voting and all those kind of things. And uh, those are the challenges that uh, they've been through it, but now you can see a gleam of light there. Yes, they are realizing things, and they are going to the place that they want to thrive and talk and do a new thing in a good way, not in a fight way. Going back to the Water Institute and the work with Water for South Sudan, I'm wondering, you know, what is your dream in five years' time? What would What is your vision in, for, in the next five years? Uh, in the next five years, the vision is to make sure this uh, institute is fully stable and it grow and extend and be able to build the capacity of the country, especially the water sector. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that would be the only water institute in South Sudan. Uh, this institute, no other institute working on the water uh, like what we have established now. And I just want to see the tribe and the people that are created from there goes back to their home, to their states, and be able to pick up that work to make sure they protect our source of water. Uh, whether rivers or groundwater or, or wells or whatever way source of water. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing that, thri that institute is thriving to help the country fight for this uh, global uh, climate change. We've, as we've talked before, climate change, you is, is very you feel it and see it a lot in, um, in WOW, right, with the reforestation. Is, is that something that, um, you know, you, you think about on a daily basis? Of course, of course. We have to think about it on a daily basis because this is a, this is our life. That's essential. These two things we cannot, these are number one. The air we breathe in and the water we drink. Those are the basic of human life. But if one has been affected, that is causing our life completely. And yes, uh, we've been thinking about it all the time because uh, it's real, and we are seeing the changes here too. Like uh, this, uh, well, this year we get a lot of flood, and it never happened to that uh, level. And some areas the rain is not uh, uh, raining on time that is supposed to rain. And yes, this thing we think about it all the time because it's it's not just one country alone. It's all of us is human thing that will affect us and was dangerous for us. And uh, with this now, and, and, and it may be too dangerous here in a place like South Sudan, has a lot, uh, has a high poverty going on here, and people now tend cutting all these trees they have. And uh, that means that it might not come if they, uh, if they cut that, uh, if they cut the trees all the time. And we need to educate our society to understand this is real and it's dangerous for us. We need to protect ourselves of life, of water, of forestation, uh, forest and all those kind of things. Yeah, Thank you. The, the flooding was, uh, I, I saw on the news and the, the flooding in the eastern part of the country, right, was, you know, villages were yeah. underwater, um, you know, right. people lost livestock, they lost their homes, uh, they were on, you know, yeah. you had to sit on boats and you would see the house, the tops of the houses above the water. And you, you, you've told me before about, about how poverty and climate change, um, how they're all, how in one example they're interconnected with people cutting down trees in order to uh, sell for firewood for charcoal, um, but at that at the same time that degrades the environment right and leads it more prone to flooding and extreme events. Right. Yes. If you look at South Sudan, South Sudan has a, a different landscape. If you go more to east, that's where all this flooding happening because lowland there, uh, close to the Nile. If you go to west, it's very dry, and, uh, and people are having a hard time of uh, getting water. And even those who get flooded, before. It gets flat and then dry completely, and now people are desperate where to find the water. They have to migrate again to go to the place uh, 
where they could get the water for six months, and then six months now it's flooded again, and they have to move somewhere, and all those kind of things. And you see those huts there, their houses were under the water. Those places before, they used, those places used to be totally dry and never did the flood. But with this year, it was a totally different story. This is a real climate change that we really uh, need to pay attention. And for these people also who are suffering here, they don't have uh, other uh, things to, uh, they don't have enough water, they have no other resource. They tended to cut all these trees and sell them in order to get food. Because all these, they don't have other options than just the tree they see, they need to cut it and make a sharp loud and then uh, feed their families. And uh, what can we do to make sure that they understand that they should not cut the tree. But what can we do to substitute something in their poverty too? For example, can we utilize all this solar system like now? We are turning our wells more to a solar panel to be able to pump the water to the higher level to, to the tank in the elevated place and then let the gravity take the place. What can we do to, to the people that are cutting the trees? Can we have a solar stove cooked, distributed to them? Or what way can they buy it, or whatever ways, and all this kind of thing. This is the thing that we are just hoping to substitute into something where they would have a good life. Yeah, it's so important to consider climate change, as you say, um, so that people are able to be able to feed their family um, in a way that um, also keeps the environment healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, those are all the questions I have for you today, Salva. Uh, thank you very much. This was a very interesting conversation. I feel like we touched on uh, a couple of different points and just got a better understanding of the work that you do um, in South Sudan and um, you know what's been important about it for you. Um, th thank you so much for the, for the time. Uh, you're welcome, Lydia. Thank you for interviewing me. Mm -hmm. and I appreciate all the people that supported me at W12 ECOSAP. Anyone that is involved to support Water for South Sudan to be able to help the life of people that who cannot help themselves here. And thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The How, a W12 Plus podcast channeling water solutions. W12 Plus is a movement to connect, catalyze, and incubate urban water solutions, starting with local organizations and leaders. Find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and at our website w12plus.org. That's w12plus.org. Thanks, and we hope you join us again next time.